All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Beautiful. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to lift up your voice and begin to speak in the Holy Ghost as we delve deeper into what we the Lord has for us tonight. Please just lift up your voice and begin to speak in the Holy Ghost. La kunda vagada sibrendo konto di maka la deka panda sunto di maka unda sibrendo bekendo sunte di maka la doka fanda shente di maka unda paluza bre le enda sunto di maka unda la bala sibrendo kusha venda kina loza brenda la copa lunda valida conto la panda sinta di maconda la rade che vendu shonto di maconda sabrenda bega manda sabrenda bega li copa lunda palida zantu kanda speak in the holy ghost and condition your spirit for what the lord has for us tonight prepare your spirit bring it into sync and in alignment with the spirit of god as we delve deeper as Lord, that your spirit man will be broadened, it will be enlarged, your capacity would enlarge to receive from the wells of the spirit tonight. Just lift up your voice and speak in the Holy Ghost for just two minutes. Speak in the Holy Ghost for just two minutes. In the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of God to condition your spirit man. Tell him, condition my spirit man. We have been working throughout the day. We've encountered a whole lot of things that the enemy has also decided and tried to distract us from the main things and the things that matter the most. Therefore, we need the Lord to condition our spirits to connect with the Spirit of God tonight as we delve deeper into the Word of God. Ask the Spirit of God to condition your spirit man. Condition my spirit man. Condition my spirit man. Condition my spirit man, Lord. Condition my spirit man. Condition my spirit man, O Lord. Condition my spirit man, O Lord. Condition my spirit man. In Luke chapter 24, the verse 45, the Bible says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Just lift up your voice and ask the Spirit of the Lord to give you understanding. Ask him to open your understanding to understand. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Then open he their understanding. 
understanding le copa lunda valinde caduze brendebeke le de capanda sente de maca manda sabrandebeke it takes a deeper understanding for you to be able to even know that a particular word is for you look at the two men who were on their way to emmaus the bible says that jesus christ was walking with them but they knew that something was going on in their spirit man they said at the end that did we not know that something was burning inside our spirit when this man spoke to us but we could not recognize him we are asking oh lord open our understanding enlighten us tonight the bible says that the spirit of wisdom and revelation the lord will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened this is supernatural enlightenment conference we are asking for enlightenment from the lord that the lord would enlighten us enlighten us enlighten us to be able to relate with the things of the spirit enlighten us oh god Liko balunda palira conte de madasa brendebeke lede kapanda sintedimaka enlighten us o lord enlighten us o lord lede kapanda sintedimaka lati kapanda kundolo bahad my spirit man is being conditioned i don't know about you my spirit man is being stirred up i don't know about you my spirit man is being stirred up Stare up my spirit man, oh God. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. If you are with me, type amen. If you are with me, type amen. Type amen, type amen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Beloved, this night I want to share something briefly. You know, I actually want us to pray for a while. I want us to pray for a while. So I'm going to share something briefly so that we can pray as the Lord leads us. All right. I want us to pray. So I'm going to share something briefly so that we can pray. I'm going to share on the subject of spiritual hunger, all right? That's a supernatural enlightenment conference. And the focus is on, um, the focus is on we being a living sacrifice, okay? A living sacrifice unto God. And then yesterday, yesterday, the apostle of God, I enjoyed so much. I mean, he has, he has really, he has divided the concept of um, being a living sacrifice so much. So I am going, I'm just going to take, it from there from where he ended okay i'm going to talk about spiritual hunger this is very important in the body of christ um when you read romans chapter 2 of the verse 11 paul says be a glow in the spirit all right paul says be a glow a glow in the spirit it means be a flaming personality in the realm of the spirit he's encouraging and admonishing us to be burning in the spirit it means that we should not be mediocre, we should not be lethargic, we should not be cold, we should not be lukewarm as believers. 
we are supposed to be on fire. We're supposed to be ablaze for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember that as believer, as a believer, you have been born again. The Bible says you are born again by the incorruptible word of God. Now, this born again experience is not an initiation, an initiation into a magical realm. It is not an initiation into some kind of metaphysical activity, but this born again experience is a marital experience. Are you with me? This born again experience is a marital experience, which means that as a human, as an individual, you have been married unto the king of glory. What a great privilege. You have been married. That is a born again experience. You have been married. You have, you have been betrothed to the king of glory himself. So you are his legal possession. Like the apostle of God said yesterday, we are married to the king of kings and therefore we are his legal possession. He has paid the price by purchasing us. That is what we call redemption. He's paid the price by purchasing us unto himself. It is like a man going to pay the bride price of a woman. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.18, the Bible says that he purchased us. You see, he bought us, not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So he actually bought us with his precious blood, and he bought us, which means that now we are the lost legal possession. We belong to him legally, and he has the right to explore our lives at will the way he wants it. But you know, when you read, when you read church history, one thing that I, I really learned so much from Robert Lyden, he, he mentioned that the Holy Spirit, even though he legally owns you, he does not force himself on you as an individual. All right. The, whatever the Lord wants you to do, whatever he commands you to do, the assignment he has, he has given you to do and everything that the Lord requires of you, he does not compel. He does not force himself on you. The Holy Spirit is a gentle personality, as Benny Hinn always presents him. He's a gentle personality who is, a, I would say that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. All right. He is not, but he is gentle, all right? The Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit, and so he will not force himself on you. Now, I want you to understand something. The Bible refers to God as a God of knowledge. The Bible says that God is a God of knowledge, and by him, actions are weighed. He's a God of knowledge, which means at any point in time, if God intends to have something done, he carries out strategy. He has strategies, strategic ways by which he can carry things out. He does not carry things out by force. He is not as ignorant as we are as human beings. He has so much knowledge. So at any point in time, when he wants something done, he deploys one of his strategies to carry them down. All right. Look at this. In First Peter chapter 3, the verse 7, the Bible admonishes the husband. He says, likewise, you husbands, Dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Take note, dwell with them according to knowledge. For instance, now let me let me let me make it a bit practical. For instance, as a husband, imagine you are so much on fire, you are so much on heat, and then you want to have your wife at night. You want to have sex with your wife. And at that point, at that point, your wife that you want to have sex with is not in the mood. Imagine maybe she's in her period 
sorry to use that. Maybe she's in a period or she's not in a mood. She says that I just came back from work and I am tired. And she wants to have intimacy. You want to have intimacy with her. You know, you bought, actually, you paid her bride price and your wife legally belongs to you. You have every right. Paul admonishes us. He says, he says your, your body as a man does not belong to you. It belongs to your wife. And likewise, the wife, your body belongs to the husband. So as a husband, you have the right to explore your wife's body. But now understand this, that your wife is also a personality that has a will. Therefore, if you really, really, really want to have her or get her into that act, you need to employ so much knowledge. That's what the Bible is saying, that dwell with your wife according to knowledge because she's a weaker vessel. All right. So now imagine this. If as a husband, I want to have my wife, even though she's tired and she's not willing to engage in anything, and I still want to have my wife, okay, what happens there is that I just need to employ knowledge. And that knowledge is to try to arouse her into the act. That is it. That is the knowledge. I cannot force myself on her because I think I own her. That is the same way the Holy Spirit deals with us. The Holy Spirit will not force himself on us as individuals because he thinks that he owns us. Rather, he deploys knowledge in drawing us closer. Understand this, that as believers, as you, are, you have become a believer, one of your, your, your requirements, one of the things that God requires of you, in fact, the topmost that God requires of you is intimacy. Intimacy, communion is to, to participate with him, to have koinonia, communion with him. He wants to mingle with your spirit. He wants to mingle and fraternize with your spirit. He wants to explore you and you have to explore him because now that you are born again, you have the right to explore God. God has the right to explore you. But you see, one thing that the Lord does because we are weaker vessels, okay, we are the feminine in this picture because we are the church and we are the bride of Christ. We are feminine. Therefore, the scripture that says, husbands, draw with your wife according to knowledge applies also to Christ and he sets that example. He, when he wants us to have communion with him, he does not call wears us into having communion with him, but rather he arouses a desire within our soul to pursue him. That desire to pursue God is what we call spiritual hunger. Is somebody here with me? See, just as a husband will try to touch some sensitive parts of the wife, just to arouse the wife into intercourse, the same way the Lord Jesus Christ, by his spirit, arouses our souls. When you read this, the, the Bible, Psalm 63, the Bible says, oh Lord, you are my God, early will I seek you. The Bible says, my soul is thirsty for you. My soul, it is thirsty. My flesh is longing for you. My flesh, it is longing. My soul is thirsty and my flesh is longing for you. Are you with me? So, so the longing of your flesh towards God, the, the, the craving of your flesh and the desiring of your soul for God, okay, that is what we call spiritual hunger. So spiritual hunger is actually the workings of the Holy Spirit in the heart of us to arouse the desire to make us pursue him. You know, um, as a believer, you need to understand that Sometimes you know what is right. You know that as a believer, you're supposed to commune with God. You know it, but you are not able. You know that as a believer, you're supposed to pray, but it is so difficult for you to pray. You know that as a believer, you're supposed to be very consistent with matters of the spirit, but it is very difficult for you to do all these things. 
What is the reason? You, when you read Philippians chapter 2, the verse 13, the Bible says, it is the Lord that worked in you, both to will. You know, he generates the desire. A.W. Tozer says that he calls this thing the prevenient grace, which means that the initiative to pursue God did not originate from the man, but the initiative to pursue God originated from God. So when you have that desire to pursue God, the desire did not originate from you. Look at this, the wife, for instance. If the man, the man decides to arouse the wife into, the, into intimacy, and now after the man arises, arouses the wife, the man decides that, oh, no, I am no more interested in the intercourse. So what do you think will happen to the wife? The wife will get angry. The wife will be very, 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 very angry. That's it. Do you know why the wife will be angry? Because the desire has been aroused. And you see, a desire aroused must be satisfied. So the Bible says, as the deer panted after the streams of water, at that point, the, your wife is like a deer. She's panting after you because you have aroused the desire in, in your wife. That is what happens to us in spiritual hunger. When God arouses a deer, desire in us, we pursue him to get it satisfied. That is spiritual hunger. We pursue God to get that desire satisfied. We pursue him that that desire that we have will be satisfied. But you know what? When you meet him, the desire is not satisfied. It is intensified. <laughs> that is the difference. That is the difference. That is why when we are comparing physical intimacy with spiritual, we need to be very careful because there is a great difference. In the physical, the moment you have intercourse with your wife, you are satisfied. In the realm of the spirit, the moment you have intercourse with the Holy Ghost, your, your hunger intensifies. So the deeper you go into God, that is why the Bible says, deep call it unto deep. The deep of God is calling unto your deep. So the deeper you go, the deeper God is drawing you. That is it. The deeper you go, the deeper God will be drawing you. That is it. So spiritual hunger is very, 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 very important. All right. The Bible says God is the one working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right. When a man is arousing a desire in the wife, the man wants to have pleasure. Now, in God's economy, this pleasure is actually purpose, purpose fulfilled. So the Bible says that it is God that works in you, the amplified. It is God that works in you, both to will, that is energizing, strengthening, and creating in you the longing to pursue after him. All right? The longing to pursue after him. If you don't have spiritual hunger as a believer... There is, there is a lot that will not go on well with you. It's true. It's true. When you are not hungry, you, you are not hungry for God. It affects your consecration. It affects every aspect of your life. It, has, it affects your fellowship life. It affects your Bible study. It affects your prayer. Every aspect of your life is affected when you are not, you don't have this hunger in your spirit. You know, the spirit of God desires to have intimacy with mortals. He, in, he desires to have intimacy with us as human beings. So he woos us into intimacy. Whenever you feel a deeper longing in your spirit, whenever you feel that spiritual hunger, the Lord is not telling you to go and minister. It is not a time to go. The Bible says zeal without knowledge is not good. Do you see that? That is zeal without knowledge is not good. When you feel that need, that kind of longing within your spirit, the, God is not telling you to go and minister. God is actually wooing you into the place of intimacy. All right? He's wooing you into the place of intimacy. It is the Lord wooing you. He, he is calling you. So that spiritual hunger is actually the response of the soul of a man to the advances of God for intimacy. I don't know if you got that right. Spiritual hunger is your soul's response to God's advances for intimacy. That is spiritual hunger. 
that is spiritual hunger. Your soul is responding. God is luring you into the place of intimacy and your soul is responding. So you see, that desire will draw you. You know, desire impels, it compels. Hunger compels you. So whenever the Lord creates that kind of longing within your spirit, it will impel you into seeking after him, into following her. That's why the Bible says, my soul followeth hard after thee. So you need to ask yourself as a believer, how much is your soul following hard after God? Is it following hard after God? Or your Christianity is like a roller coaster. You are high today, tomorrow you are low. You pray today, the next time you pray is next week. You see, it is, it is a lack of hunger. The driving force is not there. The, the force, the strength, okay, the desire has not been generated within you. And so you don't even see the need to go closer to God for intimacy. You don't see the need to pray. You don't see the need to study the word. You don't see the need to continue consistently in things of the spirit because there is no hunger in you. Spiritual hunger is very necessary. Paul was a man who was ablaze for God. I'm telling you, Paul was a man who was ablaze for God. Peter and Cole were men who were ablaze for God. Look at Peter. He said, we have not believed cunningly devised fables. He said, we were with him on the, on the mountain. When there came a voice from the excellent glory, we were with him. These men were men that do have intimacy with God. He said, we were with him on the, on the mountain. When there came a voice from the excellent glory, saying, this is my beloved son. In him, I am well pleased. These were men. Paul says, be a glow. If he himself was not a glow, he wouldn't encourage you to be a glow. He was a glow in the spirit. A glow in the spirit. Look, I, I, I read about Ivan Roberts, okay? I read about Ivan Roberts. And then Ivan Roberts, the pioneer of the Welsh Revival. This man went for a program of a man of God called Seth Joshua. Then when Ivan Roberts got there, the man of God was preaching. Then all of a sudden, he lifted his voice and said, Oh, Holy Spirit, bend us, bend us. You know, just that statement, bend us, bend us, it sank deeper into the spirit of Ivan Roberts. That is why, you know, these things are very powerful. There are times that you listen to a word of God, you listen to a certain word of God, then all of a sudden there is a hunger that is generated. You are quickened. There's a hunger that is generated in you. You see? So he had bend us, bend us. Then all of a sudden, when they close from the program, they had to have um, um, a dinner together. But Ivan Roberts refused to eat. He refused to eat. Why? He was hungry in the spirit. There was benders, benders, stirred up something within his spirit, man. And it made him pursue God. You know, when the spirit, when spiritual hunger is there, you know, fasting is not a burden. It's a joyful activity. When you find prayer, Bible study, fasting, and the spiritual things very difficult to do. It is a sign that there is no spiritual hunger. You need a quickening. The spiritual hunger is when the, the Lord quickens your spirit, when he quickens your spirit to draw closer to him, when he quickens your spirit to come closer to him. That is what we call spiritual hunger. The Lord quickens your spirit. You know, when you read Psalm 80, the verse 18, the Bible says, quicken us, O Lord, quicken us, and we'll call upon you. Quicken us and you call. So your ability to call upon God or your ability to go after God is dependent on the quickening that you receive from the Spirit of God. Is somebody here with me? It's dependent on the quickening that you receive from God. Yes. When we read Songs of Solomon chapter 1 verse 4, it said, draw us, draw us, we'll run after you. Draw us, we will run after you. So spiritual anger 
is actually the drawing of the Lord. He draws your spirit, man. He draws your soul towards him. He draws you so much that you begin to seek him. I like the Lord so much in this regard because, you know, in most cases, when the Lord begins to draw you, when the Lord begins to draw you, what happens is that he draws you and hides himself from you a little. Yes. The Bible says, Verily thou art a God that hides thyself. Yes. He draws you and hides himself. It is like a husband arousing the wife. Then all of a sudden, the, the husband decides to hide himself a little from the wife. You know, the wife becomes so frustrated. She begins to pick a call. Look, read this, the book of Songs of Solomon. It is, a, the, it is one of the nicest explanations to what I'm saying. You know, Songs of Solomon, there was a bride who was seeking for the groom. She went out looking, look, she went to ask the, the doctors of Jerusalem, have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? Have you seen my beloved? The beloved has aroused the hunger and a desire within her heart. And now the beloved has hidden himself from her. So now she's pursuing, as the deer panted after the streams of water, she's pursuing the beloved for intimacy. This is what God expects of us. This is what God expects of us. Now, I want you to understand something about spiritual hunger. Like I said, I've already said earlier, now salvation, what we call salvation, salvation does not quench spiritual hunger. You see, we need to be careful with doctrine in our generation. Salvation does not quench spiritual hunger. Salvation is an intensifier of spiritual hunger. Let me tell you something. To say salvation quenches spiritual hunger is to say that the moment I get married to my wife, I, uh, my wife or, or for a wife to say the moment I get married to my husband, I don't desire him again. I don't want to have sex with him because I am married. Now, now I am married with my wife. I'm married to my husband, so I, I don't desire him again. That, 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 is, that is it, like, to say that salvation quenches. You see, if you are truly born again and your spirit, man, is truly regenerated, it will live with the consciousness of God perpetually. And this consciousness will begin to draw you. The consciousness of God will begin to draw you because at this point, your spirit is quickened and the spirit begins to seek intimacy with its origin. The spirit originated from God. In, in, in Ephesians 3, 11, the Bible says that he has set eternity in our heart. That eternity, when it is regenerated, that eternity is the spirit of man. When it is regenerated, it is quickened, and then it begins to now pursue after its origin. So the spirit will be seeking for intimacy with where it came from. It is seeking for intimacy. It begins to seek for intimacy with where it actually came from. That, that is it. So if you, you are born again, your spirit should pursue its origin. It shouldn't, it shouldn't return or it shouldn't stop pursuing its origin if you are truly born again. You see, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says what? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And what? He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you see that? He's a reward of them that diligently seek. When you come to God, you're, you see, when you come to God in salvation and your spirit is regenerated, you begin to pursue God ardently. That's it. You begin to pursue God. Secondly, another thing that happens is spiritual hunger empowers you to consecrate yourself. It empowers you to consecrate yourself. You know, Apostle Fabian spoke about this yesterday. He spoke so much on, on the living sacrifice. You know, consecration actually is the hallmark of priesthood. You cannot be an effective priest who discharges his duties effectively unless you have consecrated your, yourself. We are interfacing with a spirit being. 
God is a spirit. That's what the Bible says. God is spirit. And they that worship must worship him in spirit and in, in truth. And if mortals are seeking to interface with spirit entities, they need consecration. They need to consecrate themselves unto the mortals. Now, you need to understand this. There are three levels of consecration. The first one is when you are born again. Consecration basically means separation. When you are born again, you are separated from the world. And now you are, you, are, you are now a child of God. You have been brought into the kingdom of God. For the Bible says that he who has delivered us from the powers of darkness, Colossians 1.13, who has delivered us from the powers of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So the deliverance and the translation is the first consecration. You are separated from the world and you have now been made a citizen of heaven. That is the first consecration. The second level of consecration, when you come into Christianity, the Bible says that you are supposed to present your, your members as instruments of righteousness. I get it. You're supposed to present your members as instruments of righteousness. So if you, you, you present your members as instruments of righteousness, which means that sin shall no longer reign on your, in your mortal bodies. Sin cannot exact its authority over you. Now sin is rather subjected. It's under subjugation to your authority because you have presented your body as, as what? Um, uh, instrument of righteousness to God. Now this consecration, I'm this second level of consecration is not the consecration where a person says that because I am a pastor, I will not fornicate. That, that is not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. You see, this man, um, uh, what's, what's the name of this preacher? One of these great preachers, one of these Calvinistic great, great, great preachers, he said that, you see, as a, as a pastor, you need to pray like a Christian. Otherwise, you are a hypocrite. Get it? As a pastor, you need to pray as a Christian. Otherwise, you are a hypocrite. And you need to pray more than a Christian. Otherwise, you are not fit for priesthood. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Do you see that? You are supposed to pray like a Christian as a pastor, which means when I am praying, what should underscore my prayer is not the fact that I have a ministration to do. That's not what should underscore my prayer. That should, shouldn't be my foundation or my motivation to pray. Because sincerely, most of us find ourselves praying because we have people to minister to. We find ourselves praying because we have to. You see, it is, it is, when you live a life of consecration, you are always prepared. You are instant in season and you are instant out of season. You are always prepared and then you don't prepare because you have something to do. You don't prepare because you have administration to do. Your life itself is a preparation. You know, that is why I love I love Kate Green so much. Do you know one thing Kate Green says that inspired me? He says, make my life a prayer to you. Which means that my life itself, my life is an incense. It is a prayer. I don't have to open any time I am praying. Even if I am sleeping in my sleep, I am praying. That is, my life is a prayer to you. That is it. My life is a prayer to you. So the second level of consecration, this second level of consecration is the level, is the level at which we present ourselves to God. It is not an assignment. You see, like I said, it's not an assignment. I don't present myself. I am not trying to keep myself because I'm a pastor. I'm not trying to keep myself because I have so winning to do. I am not trying to keep myself because if I don't keep myself, how can I tell this member that is fornicating to stop fornicating? That is not it. But you understand that you have moved from one country, sin, into another country called grace. But Paul said that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, no, how shall we, who are dead to sin, continue to live in it? So we are dead to sin and therefore our 
our members will present it as instrument of righteousness that God will use for whatever he wants to do. So at this second level of consecration, you don't really know what God is expecting of you. All that you are doing is, I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice. You know, look at the 120 disciples in the upper room. Do you know what happened to them? The Bible says that these 120 disciples, they were there, and then there was clothing tongues like as of fire, and he sat on each and every one of them. Do you know what, what in the old covenant, or in the Levitical priesthood, you remember sacrifices are burnt. We have burnt offerings, burnt sacrifices. But those sacrifices, they cannot be burnt unless they die. Like Apostle, Apostle said yesterday, he said, until you, you must die. A sacrifice is not alive. It must die. That is it. So even though as human beings, we are still alive. That's why the Bible calls us lively stones. Do you see that? The Bible calls us lively stones. We are still alive, all right, but we are dead in our flesh. Our flesh no longer responds. You know, one thing I said about, one thing I, I learned about death, one thing I learned about death is that, you know, with death, with death, what it is is that if a person dies, the person cannot respond. The person does not respond. If you touch the person, Apostle mentioned this, if you touch the person, the person cannot respond. If a person is dead and you touch him, he cannot respond. The reason why you respond, for instance, you are, I mean, I mean, anybody, anything that passes by you that is wearing skirt, it draws something out of you is because you are not dead. A dead person does not respond. A dead person cannot respond to the things that are around him. A dead person does not respond. That is it. Remember Jesus Christ who went to the wilderness. The Bible says he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. What is the purpose? To be tempted of the devil. Do you see that? He was drawn into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, when Jesus went there, he, was the, he faced the last of the flesh. He faced the last of the eyes. He faced the pride of life. The last of the flesh is, if you are the son of God, turn this stone that it be made bread. But he said, oh, no, man shall not live by bread alone. You see, the man was dead and he could not respond to such last for fleshly things. He was there. He was a dead man. He couldn't respond to the last for fleshly things because he was a dead man. If you be the son of God, tend this stone that we made bread. He didn't respond. That is it. Then the next, the next one, the last of the eyes. The Bible says he took him to the mountain to on top of whatever and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He showed him. It means see. It is alluring. These things are alluring. It, it draws you. It draws you. But you know, I like something James said very much. The, James says that if any man is tempted, let him not say, I am tempted of God, for God tempts no man. Then he said, a man is only tempted if he's drawn by what? His own lust. That is why you can blame certain things on certain people. You can say somebody is passing here and he's the reason why I am falling. Somebody is not dressing well and he's the reason why I'm falling. You see, you are not dead and that is why your body is responding to that temptation. The Bible says it is not the person's fault. He said there is last in your members. There are things in your members that are still alive. They must die. As long as the last is there, it is drawing. There is a drawing. That is it. I don't know if you are here. So it's not the person's fault. If you die, if you die, a person will be with. Look at, look at, look at Joseph. Joseph. Look at Joseph. Joseph had the opportunity to conquer Potiphar's wife. He had the opportunity to explore Potiphar's wife. But the guy feared the Lord. He knew that a man is only tempted if he's drawn by his own lust. I will not succumb. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. That's it. I'm a dead man. Do you see? Then the last one, he told him, look, ah, the last one, what was the last temptation? He took him to the pinnacle of the temple. He told him, throw yourself down. If you throw yourself down, I mean, he would. That is the temptation to misuse power, the pride of life, to show that I am powerful. 
but this man was there. Jesus Christ was there. That is the second level of temptation. Jesus Christ was there. It, all these things never worked on him. You see, we cannot die. Look at this. Look at this very well. If you take a stick, okay, let's say there is there is some um, um, cobweb in your room, okay? There's some cobweb or something you need to do with a stick. Do you know that if you go for the stick and you try breaking the stick and the stick refuses to break, the stick is useless to you. Do you see that? The stick is useless to you because it has refused to break. Anything that refuses to break is not useful to God. That is it. What Mani says that God does not use a man except he breaks the man. He says that Jesus Christ took took the bread. He took the bread. Remember, Jesus Christ took the bread, five loaves of bread and two fishes. He said he broke them first. Anything that is not broken is not useful. They became useful to God because the things succumbed or yielded to that, that thing that the Lord was doing with it. It succumbed to be broken. You see, do you know hunters? Hunters go to the, 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 the bush, okay? Hunters go to the bush. When they go to the bush, what is their purpose? Right now, as we are talking now, there are people in the bush. They are hunting. Do you know what they are seeking? They are seeking for meat. But do you know that they will end up not getting some of some of the meat? They will end up killing some. Others will run away. Anyone that does not yield to the gunshot cannot be useful to the hunter. That is it. Until if your life is still inside you and your life, you're, you are not deprived of your life, you are not useful. The animal that allows itself to be deprived of its life becomes useful. That is why you see our world today, the greats of our world, they don't succumb to God. The greats of our world, they feel like they have everything. And that is why I, I see I am intrigued to find out that God does not also care much about these people. He has people, he will go to somewhere, somebody that is an outcast like Gideon and say to him, thou mighty man of Belor. That is it. Then the guy was saying, Gideon was saying, ah, but why me? Why me? Do you see, my family is, is the least in Manasseh. You see, my family is, is poor in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. I mean, all these things, where are the miracles that you told us of? Look at me. I am just a, a farmer. I am farming. Why, what are you doing with me? The, the man was poor. He had nothing. You see, the Bible says that Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation. It is not that he had no reputation. He stripped himself of it. You see, when you don't have when you don't have reputation, you can you can say you are humble until there is a reputation. You, you see, you, what shows that you are truly humble is if there is a reputation. It is not when there is no reputation. You see, it's not when there is no reputation. The Bible says that even though Jesus Christ, he was what he had a reputation actually, even though he was one with God, united with God. He was one with him, yet he stripped himself. He emptied himself. So sub total submission to God is not when you don't have anything. That is why it looks to this cognoscentes and erudite of our world. It looks to them that it is only poor people that God needs. No, it, that is not the case. The only thing is that poor people don't have anything to depend on. They don't have anything that will make them feel pompous. So the moment they see God, they succumb. But those who think they have something, they, they have the mentality that, oh, God only uses poor people. God needs... Poor, I mean, you are poor. That's why you are pursuing God. No, that is not it. They don't understand that they need to strip themselves off whatever they have. If you don't strip yourself off, you, you must strip yourself off. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his mother, his father, his brethren, his sisters, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. His own life. Do you see? He wants you to strip yourself off your own life. That is consecration, the second level. That's it. Lord, 
I know that I have businesses, but my confidence is not in the business. Philippians 3, 3. We are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. We glory in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. Look at Paul. He said, I, you see, I was a Jew. I was, I was this. I was that. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I have studied at Maliel, one of the greatest teachers of the law. But you know all these things. I count them as dank for the sake of God. That is consecration. I have all these things, but I count them as dung that I may win Christ, that I may know him, that I may know him, that I may know him. That's the second level of consecration. I'm telling you, that's the second level of consecration, that I may know him. I have everything. I have it. It's not like I don't have it. But you see, I, I don't put my confidence in it. You see, even, even we women of God, let me tell you sincerely, that is why one man of God I like so much is what's my name. He inspires me a lot because he spoke so much, he speaks so much about knowledge. He speaks so much about the temptation to be dependent upon knowledge. As a man of God, we can be so dependent upon the knowledge that we have accumulated and think that because of this knowledge we can be successful or think that this knowledge because we have this knowledge we are so big even the knowledge that god himself has given you if that knowledge begins to puff, puff you up <laughs> i'm telling you we cannot be useful to god we cannot be useful to god look at why jesus christ had to send a messenger of satan to buffet for he said i have received abundance of revelation from god but because just for him to keep me from being puffed up he sent what a thorn in my flesh a messenger of satan to buffet me he said these things i besought the lord three times that he might take it away but he said my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in your weakness that is it my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect when you are weak. Then, you know, when Paul realized the secret, he said, hey, is this the secret? Now I will boast in my weakness. I will boast in my infirmity. So now, oh, oh, I, 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 when I study, I don't remember, but I boast in that weakness because I know that when I am weak, that is when actually I am strong. So my strength, the strength from God, I derive it when I am weak. The strength of God comes to my rescue only if God knows that ah, this man has nothing in which to boast in. That is it. That is when the strength of God comes. Consecration. Do you see that? So, you see, consecration actually, it separates you. That is when people can say, you see this thing, I, I, I read I read about uh, Rick Joyner. When God called Rick Joyner into ministry, do you know what happened? Rick Joyner actually decided to establish a business, multi-million dollar business, <laughs> so that the business can sustain him in ministry. Do you know, God sent a warning to him. God said, do you think I cannot take care of you? So now your sustenance is now based on the, 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 the whatever, the business that you have, you, have, you, have, you have set up. Is that your confidence? You think I cannot take care of you? And so you set up a business, you know? Consecration is a very serious matter. You separate yourself unto God. A spirit can have full expression through your mortal body if only you consecrate yourself unto that spirit. And sometimes consecration can be difficult if there is no spiritual hunger. Hunger makes consecration enjoy enjoyable. I'm telling you, if you are a man who has spiritual hunger, consecration will not be a torment unto you. Some of us might think, ah, God is tormenting me. I have been fasting for 21 days and still cannot see anything.
I have been reading the Bible all the time and I still cannot see anything. But I tell you that, look, consecration is enjoyable when there is spiritual hunger because spiritual hunger compels you. It is God that takes the initiative. It is not you. It is when you take initiative that fasting becomes difficult. Consecration becomes difficult when the initiative is from mortal. But when the initiative is from the immortal, consecration is joyful. It is, it is an exciting, exciting thing. That's it. It's an exciting thing. You need to let God take the initiative. Let him take the initiative. And consecration becomes joyful. It becomes joyful when God takes the initiative. This is called prevenient grace. It becomes joyful. Then the last thing about consecration, the third type of consecration, is when you consecrate yourself to your assignment. Do you see that? You consecrate yourself to assignment. Because, you know, the first time is consecration from the world. Then now you consecrate yourself by presenting your members as instrument of righteousness. You submit to God, and then you, you, you lose confidence in anything you have confidence in. That is it. And then you focus solely on God. That is the second level of consecration. Then the last type of consecration is when you consecrate yourself to your assignment. Do you, do you get that? You consecrate yourself to assignment, which means that whatever the Lord is actually requiring you to do, the specific duty that he has for you, that is you what you that is why you see a prophet's dealings must might be different from an apostle's dealing. A pastor's dealing might not be as rigorous as an apostle's dealing, and a, a teacher's dealing must not be as rigorous as a prophet's dealing. Usually, prophets will be required to, to live a life of solitude, and an apostle might be taken into a lot of tormenting things and a lot of difficulty because an apostle's message actually comes from his personal experiences. Do you see that? That is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul can, can say boldly, he said, you know, we are suffering, we are suffering, but you see, death is working in us, but life is working in you. Whilst I permit death to work in me, life, it is releasing life into you. And the degree of death that works in us and the degree of life that we release onto the brethren is our ministry. So in the apostle's ministry, actually, is the degree of death that he permits in his mortal body and the life he releases to humanity. That is an apostle's ministry. So that person's dealings might be very different and so rigorous than that of a pastor. That's it. So most of us who have an apostolic callings, eh, apostle, apostle Judah will, will, will bear me witness. It is not an easy thing if you have an apostolic calling. Yes, that is it. You are, you are expected to consecrate yourself to that assignment. God will take you through tormenting things. Look, let, let, me, let me just give you something. If you read Robert Lydon's um, God's Generals, The Revivalist, okay? Read the introduction. The introduction alone will set you ablaze. The introduction of the revivalist, God's generals, the revivalist, the introduction alone will set you ablaze. Do you know one thing that inspired me there? Robert Sliding says that all these revivalists, what happened to them is that they went through their dark moments. Do you get that? The revivalists went through their dark moments. God took them through dark, dark moments. He said they wandered. The time came when they wandered without direction. They wandered without direction. And if you are a man of God, God will take you through this kind of rigorous things. And you see, it's a consecration. You, he's separating you onto your assignment. So you can see that as an individual, you can begin your journey with somebody. You are friends and you are praying together. Both of you are praying for two hours. A time comes, you can go four hours. The person will go six hours. Ah, you finish your, your four hours. The person is continuing. You say, ah, what is it that me, I cannot pray? No, your assignments are different. So there is a divergence when you are climbing. You are diverging into your individual callings. That is what we call consecration. It will require a lot of discipline. It will require a lot of rigorous training from the Lord. 
Do you know? Do you remember what the psalmist said? He said, "God, God, God actually prepares my hands to war. He trains me to battle." And yesterday, Apostle was talking about this. You know, God trains us for battle. Uh, Paul says that he, he, say, he says, um, um, "He that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things." You are striving for the mastery. Oh, I, I said yesterday I saw something. Then I said that you know, Ivan Robert, Robert Sliding was saying that Ivan Robert, the pioneer of the worship revival. In his days, they told them something. One of the cautions they gave them is, is that look for men, the great men of your denomination, and pattern your preach, preaching styles after them. Learn to preach like they preach. Follow them and, and then copy from them. But I'm telling you, an apostle, an apostle wouldn't require that. I tell you. You see, if your calling is of a certain capacity, if Robert didn't mind, you know why? He did not, he, he detested status quo. Why? Because there was a hunger. There was something burning inside him. He himself said that he has stretched forth his hand and he has touched the flame of God. And he's burning, he's burning and burning and burning. He was a great revivalist. Your calling, you see, there are some people who will be required to, to listen to men of God and pattern their preaching after them. Oh, of course, if you are called in the pastoral office or something, I don't know, I don't know though, but if you are called into some of those, some of those offices, that's what you'll be required to do. That's it. That's what you'll be required to do. But if you have a certain calling, you cannot just pattern your preaching style. It is not about the preaching, no. it is about soaking God and emitting God. My goodness, remember that the Bible speaks about Peter. The Bible says that in, in Acts chapter 5, it says that people came, they brought the sick, and, the, and Peter's shadow, Peter's shadow, his shadow alone was healing the sick. My goodness, do you know what was happening there? It was an emitting of energy that he contacted when he was having intimacy with Jesus. He was emitting energy. He was emitting energy. Energy, power. He was emitting it when he was having intimacy with Jesus. That's it. He can say, that's why he can open his mouth boldly and say that I was with him on the excellence on, on, the, on the mountain. When they came, I was with him. Have you been with him? I was with him. It means I was still taught by the Lord himself. I was with him on the excellence. So the things that we are telling you, they are not fabricated meat. We have not believed cunningly cunningly devised fables. We did not devise this thing. We actually saw with our eyes. That's it. Consecration. It to consecrate you into your assignment. Do you see that? So you can see how much you will lose if you don't have spiritual hunger. You see, you can see how much you will lose. That's it. Then finally, finally, one thing that spiritual hunger does for you as an individual is spiritual hunger brings you into alignment with God's present revelation. Are you getting that? It brings your life in alignment with God, and it brings you into alignment with God's present revelation. That's it. You see, a believer will lack alignment. Do you know what alignment means? Alignment means you are in sync. You are not ahead of God. Neither is God ahead of you. You are actually in Him. You are following Him right behind Him. What he does, you do, like Jesus Christ. He said, my father worketh, hitherto and I work. How many of us today will say that? Do you know something that happens to me? My heart breaks, okay? There is a scripture whenever I read or whenever I see it, it breaks my heart so much, okay? And that scripture is in Matthew chapter 17, where, where the, the, the woman who brought that lunatic for the disciples of Jesus to heal, they couldn't heal, heal the child. They couldn't heal. Then Jesus came, and then the woman reported them to Jesus. Do you know, that is what is happening in our generation today. That is what is happening in our generation today. Because we are not able, we are not able, we are not able to heal. 
We are not able to manifest God. You see, we are supposed to be God's solution to humanity as individuals. That is it. We carry God's wisdom because the Bible says Jesus is the wisdom of God and we are in Christ. We, we are hosting the wisdom of God. That is it. And the wisdom of God is God's solution to every single problem on this earth. So when the, the, the Jesus came, the woman reported and said, I brought my child, but this people, this, this people could not heal him. Oh, I see how our generation is crying today because they, they, they are bringing people to us. They are reporting us to Jesus. We, the men of God, they are reporting us to Jesus because they are bringing people and we cannot heal them. The woman reported the disciples. He said, I brought, you see, this is my child. is suffering and I brought this person to your disciples. They could not heal. They could not heal. Today, they are saying the same thing. We could not heal. What is the problem? We have loved to. We are not in a alignment with God. We are not in alignment with God. I'm telling you, there is no alignment. We, there is no alignment. There is no alignment because there is no hunger. Hunger brings you into alignment. You see, it is, it is, let me tell you one thing about the move of God. The move of God is like a wave. It's like a wave. It blows and whenever a wave is, a, a wind is blowing, anything that is on its direction, it carries it along. That is alignment. The thing has brought itself into alignment with the direction of the wind. So it carries it along. I'm telling you, at this point in time, there is a lot going on in the spirit and most of us, our heart, God has actually given us that kind of, he has elected us in our spirit man that I am about to rain the latter rain. I am about to pour another outpouring. I'm about to pour my spirit upon this this the, the, the church at this point in time I'm, I'm about to do something great in your generation but you know something there are lots of people who are believers like us who don't know that there is something like this coming to happen i'm telling you sometimes when you talk about spiritual hunger to people they are even amazed they, it's, it's like it's like the disciples in in Acts chapter 19 who didn't even know that there is a holy spirit what what it's pathetic why have we settled for mediocrity? Why have we settled for less when there can be more? Why have we settled? Why? There are people who have not heard. He said, we have not even so much heard if there be a Holy Spirit. We have not heard if there be a Holy Spirit. That is how people have not heard if there is anything like spiritual hunger. People have not heard if there is anything like spiritual burden. People have not heard. If you talk about spiritual hunger, you look weird to believers. You look weird. It's like you, dear, which God are you serving? Which Bible are you reading that we, dear, we cannot see? Which Bible are you reading? It means the entire church looks like majority of the church has, is, is not in alignment with God. You know, I read Rick Joyner's book, Rick Joyner's book on, on, on Army of the Dawn, Army of the Dawn. You know, when I read that book, Rick Joyner made a statement. He says, the church, eh, it is functioning on, the ten, on only 10% of its abilities. 10%. Just 10% of its ability. It means, what about the, the, the 90? What is happening to the church in our generation? What is happening? We have lost alignment. We've lost alignment. There's no alignment with God. We don't know what God is doing now. We, we are not like men of Issachar who had understanding of the times. What is the Lord doing now in our generation? What is he doing now? There are people who don't know. They pride themselves in past glories. That's it. They pride themselves in past glories. This is what this man said, Robert Sliding. 
If you read this book on spiritual timing, he said, we honor the great men who have done greater things, but God has moved. We honor the great men of God who have, who have accomplished things and done exploit, who have subdued kingdom, who wrought righteousness, shut the mouths of lion out of weakness. They became strong. They became valiant men. We admire them. But you see, we don't rejoice in past glories. There is something God is about to do, and we must be in alignment. We must be in alignment. There is no alignment. Because there is no spiritual hunger. When you, when you are hungry for God, you, it draws you closer to God. Look at Moses. Most of us, we are like Moses. The Bible says that Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Do you see that Moses didn't know the strategy of God to carry out that, that, that thing, um, um, the deliverance of, of Israelites from Egypt? He didn't know the strategy. He wanted to use flesh, and that is why he went to kill the Egyptian. But God didn't intend that Moses should kill them. He wanted to manifest his power to them. But Moses did not get the strategy right. No! Moses did not get the strategy right. He went to kill the guy. Did God tell you to kill the guy? Man of God! Brethren, did God tell you? If you say you are in ministry, sincerely speaking, what is the strategy God has given you? Read John chapter 1. The Bible says, John, John himself, testified he said you see i am not doing this by my own accord but i when i was you know theologically speaking john left home at the age of six john the baptist he left home at the age of six he was in the wilderness for a very long time and then he came when he came he started baptizing then do you know what he said he said to them look the person who sent me it is he who told me that when i am baptizing uh, my goodness, that is alignment. The person who sent me told me, which means that the strategy for which I can be able to identify the Messiah. Look at this. So God sends us, but He gives us, He gives He, he gives you the assignment. He must give you the strategy and He must give you the timing. Get it right. God sends you, but He must give you the strategy and He must give you the timing. So look at John the Baptist. The strategy was baptism. What is the assignment? Go and reveal Jesus to the to Israel. Reveal Jesus to Israel. What is the strategy? How do I reveal? Should I go looking for him? No, just be baptizing. When you are baptizing, when this, when you are baptizing, a person will come. When this person baptizes, upon the one that you see that a spirit, a dove has descended, that one, that one, he is the one. That is the strategy. The one that you will see that a dove has descended on, the spirit has descended like a dove upon. That one is the person. What is the strategy God has given you? What is it? What is the strategy? This is a strategy. We are in a strategic times. We are in times that, you see, normal mediocre Christianity will not change anything because people have heard about Jesus. There are people who are believers, but they are falling. They are not new. They need an awakening. And we cannot just go. We cannot just go with our watered down gospel and our dry disposition and try to compel them into church or try to compel them back to God. We can't do that. We need, us, we, need to, we need to be strategic in our approach. But how can you be strategic? God, you must come into alignment with him. We must come into alignment. That's that law of uh, spiritual hunger does. Spiritual hunger, because it compels you to the presence of God. Look at the psalm. He said, he said I, I yearn to see your glory and your power. Psalm 63. He says, oh Lord, thou art my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The verse 2, he said, to see your glory and your power. 
to see your glory. So it brings you into alignment. You see, with that kind of hunger, it draws you closer. When your soul is thirsty for God, you go into God to get his mentality and his thoughts for our generation. That is what happens. We are not in alignment. There is no alignment. There is no alignment. We have left God. We are doing our own thing because there are principles and there are strategies. If you read the God Chasers by Tommy Tenney, he says that, you see, intimacy, intimacy produces fruit. We are seeking for quick ways to grow our churches. But the only secret is intimacy. There is productivity when there is intimacy. It is when a man has sexual intercourse with his wife that she can impregnate the wife. And all, all of us also, until we go close to God and be impregnated with our destinies, we'll just be using strategies to carry out a ministry that is done in the flesh. Look, read about the generals. Read about the generals. They never did ministry in the flesh. So one thing I have seen, look at Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith. Look at it. Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith. One thing I I saw in the heroes of faith is that all of them, look, their, their, faith, their faith was fundamental towards God. Their faith was fundamental, but the expression of the faith was diverse. Don't just copy and move. What is God saying to you personally? What is he saying to you? That's it. What is God saying to you personally? Don't just copy and move. We learn from people's experiences. We learn from the experiences of people who have gone ahead of us, but we don't just copy. Imagine, let me show you something. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtain a good report. The Bible says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which be are not made of things which do appear. The verse 4 says, Through faith, Enoch was translated that you should not see them. The verse 4 is talking about, um, 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 what's the name? Abel. Then the next one, verse 5, is talking about Enoch. Then the verse 6 is saying that without faith, it is not possible to please him. For he that cometh to him must believe. Verse 7 is talking about who? Noah. Do you see that? Then after Noah, I started talking about Abraham, then Sarah, then Moses, then this. Do you see that? All of them, they had faith in God, but their faith produces a diff produced a different kind of ministry. I'm telling you, you won't see Abel copying Enoch. No. Or Abel came before Enoch. So you won't see Enoch copying Abel. That's it. Because Enoch must, might have known what happened in Abel's time. Because Enoch was in the lineage of Abel. Yes, he was in the lineage of Abel. So he could have known. He could have known what happened to his great-grandfather. And he said, oh, me too. I, I, I heard that when you present sacrifices of animals and all that to God, he accepts you. Oh, let me just start. No, 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 no. The guy began to walk with God. Enoch walked with God. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not. For what happened? God took him. And that is what his faith did. What, that is what his faith did. What, is it, what did Abraham's faith do? Abraham's faith went. And then he, it, made him, it made him look for a city which had foundation. Abraham's faith made him dwell in tents. He was, he was moving. God told him to leave. He was moving, not knowing whether he went. He was just moving. That is his faith. That's what his faith did. What did Sarah's faith do? The Bible says, true faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. That is it. What did Moses' faith do? The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. That is what Moses' faith did. Do you see that? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Then the Bible says he endured because he saw him who was invisible. That is it. That is why the Bible can say that, you see, our faith and our lives depends on our faith. Our lives depends on our faith. So you see, uh, 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 Habakkuk chapter 
chapter chapter 2 verse 4 he says that behold his soul that is lifted up is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith you don't live by anybody's faith and your faith must produce unique result as god intended so you don't just you don't just copy people and move you bring you see spiritual anger brings you into alignment with god to discover god's heart and his mind concerning you and your life that is it that's what spiritual anger does that's what it does it must bring us into alignment with God. Moses was wondering. The Bible says that when he went to Jethro, his father-in-law, you know, he went to the he sent the flock of Jethro to the backside of the desert, and then he went to the mountain of God. My goodness, I always ask myself, what is it that Moses went to do on the mountain of God? He, the Bible says he left the, the flock of Jethro at the backside of the garden of, of the desert, and he went to the mountain of God. What did he go to do on the mountain of God? I was wondering, then that is where he got an encounter. Look, I'm telling you, Moses knew because he was a destined child. The Bible says that Moses' mother didn't want to throw him away because she saw that he was a proper child. <laughs> That's right. He was a proper It means that he, she saw that Moses was a child of destiny. And when the time came that this destiny must manifest, Moses began to sustain a certain burden and a certain spiritual hunger. It took him to the mountain of God where he had an encounter with Jehovah. That is what he did. He took him to the mountain where he had an encounter with Jehovah. That encounter transformed Moses' life. It was a, a, a life-transforming encounter with Moses and uh, with, with God. Do you see what hunger can do? Burden. Hunger. Hunger. It is a drawing. I know that God drew Moses onto the mountain. He drew him. He drew him. That is why he, the guy was hungry. The guy was hungry. He went to the mountain of God. What, why did he leave the flock at the backside of the desert? Why did he leave the flock at the backside and then went to the mountain of God? What actually drew him to the mountain of God? Hunger. There was something happening in his spirit, man. He was experiencing, for it is God that worked in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is the Lord that strengthens your inner man. It is the Lord that creates the longing for intimacy. And when we are beginning to feel spiritual hunger, we run in search of God. We don't run in search of puppets. Yeah, I'm telling you sincerely. We don't run in search of puppets. But that is what is happening in our generation. We, the young people especially, the moment we start experiencing the hunger, we start running into. I'm telling you, I've experienced. There was a time, there was a time I woke up here. I just woke up and then all of a sudden there was this hunger. I, I actually had an encounter with Dr. Maurice Cerullo. Then it 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 brought a certain deep spiritual hunger upon me. I'm telling you, I woke up. It was raining, but I wasn't comfortable in my room. I picked things up and then I called one of my church members. I told him, "Look, pack your things. You see, we are going to the mountains. We, I want us to go and seclude ourselves. Let's go to a solitary place and be with God." Let's just go there, a solitary place and be with God. We walked through the rain. We picked the motorbike. We went, we walked, we went through the rain and we went to the mountains. What, what hunger can do? It will constrain you from your from, from a whole lot of things. You see, if you find, let me tell you sincerely, if you are not spiritually, unless you have a, a, a physical defect or unless you have an ailment or something, but I'm telling you, if you are spiritually hungry, Food will, you lose appetite for food. You lose appetite for sleep. You see, at that point, eh, you don't need, you, you, all that you need to sleep is discipline. I'm telling you, you need discipline to sleep. You need discipline, discipline to sleep. Yes, 
There are people who sleep at will and they need discipline to pray. But when you have spiritual hunger, you will pray at will and need discipline to sleep. <coughs> That's right. Yeah. There are people, I'm telling you, there are people who sleep at will, eat at will, they sleep at will, eat at will, watch tele all day at will, spend time on Facebook at will, use their time socializing unnecessarily at will, but they need serious discipline and a lot of a year to pray, focus to pray. But if you are hungry in the spirit, you will pray at will, wait on God at will, study the Bible at will, and need discipline, discipline to sleep. You need discipline to eat. I'm telling you, I believe my wife is listening here. She will testify. I'm telling, I believe my wife is here and she's listening. She will testify. She Before I eat, and she, I'm not telling you something that is not happening. Before I eat, she has to be on my case. Babe, won't you eat? Babe, won't you eat? Babe, please eat. Babe, please. Recently, I had a stomach problem. Ah, you can see. My wife says I'm here, honey. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So she's here. You see, she's here. So she knows that I'm not saying something that I'm not doing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm telling you. She has to say, babe, won't you eat? Babe, this, babe, food. Oh, babe, do this. Babe, eat. Babe, babe, won't you sleep? There are times that she sleeps and wakes up and, and finds me groaning. Why am I groaning? Why, like, like that, you see, I don't feel like sleeping. Because when I look at our generation, I know, like God said in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 15, I sought for a man. He said, I am looking, he said, and I sought for a man, and I sought for, and I realized that there was no intercessor. There was no intercessor. But I said to God, I am a watchman. I cannot sleep. There is a hunger in my heart. It is boiling hot. <laughs> boiling hot in my heart. Boiling hot in my heart. I cannot sleep. That's it. So I don't struggle to stay awake. Oh, why? Because I'm hungry. Can you tell a hungry man to come and then, oh, Charlie, come and let's go to the field then. So, Master, I'm hungry. I don't have time for that. That's it. That's how it is like. Oh, Charlie, let's go. There is some club happening. There are, I learned there will be girls there. Come and then let's go. I learned that there will be girls there. Come and let's go. Come and let's go. Uh, you see, that's it. Thank you for posting the scripture. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there there was no intercessor. Hey, my goodness. He saw that there was no man and wondered. God is surprised. Hey, there is no intercessor. In a generation where Christians are sleeping, there is no intercessor. In a generation where the church is cold, as cold as ice water, there, there, there is no intercessor. He, the Bible says he wondered that there is no intercessor. That's it. If you are hungry in the spirit, you will pray at will. You don't struggle because there is an energy, there is an initiative of God. He said, my soul long for you, for deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water sprout. Deep is calling unto deep. You pray at will, you study the Bible at will, you wait on God at will, but you, you require discipline to eat. If people require discipline to pray, it's a sign that there is no hunger. If you need a lot of discipline and people reminding you and a lot of things to pray, there is no hunger. If you need a lot of discipline to wait on God, there is no hunger. If you need a lot of discipline to spend quality time with God, there is no hunger. Men who are hungry for God, men who are hungry, <laughs> what they need to pray is just, uh, they are just there. They are will. 
Ah, Marco Lavandi Sabrendeke. Men of God, lift up your voice and begin to cry in the Holy Ghost. I see God doing something new in our lives. I, I see God igniting passion. I see God setting our heart ablaze. Lift up your voice and cry in the Holy Ghost. Liko Balinda Kandi Sabrendeke. Lido Kavandi Sentedi Makunda Bala. Liko Sapende Sintedi Makunda. La do Kavrende Bekendo Suntedi Makunda. La di Kavrende Penda. Just lift up your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. Lift up your voice and cry in the Holy Ghost. La duke vrende kunto di makanda ziva. La coba linda vendiza brende. La doka panda zinte di La deke prende kinta labaka. La duke vanga. Oh Lord, ignite passion in our heart. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a spiritual hunger, there is only one solution. If you don't have a spiritual hunger, there is one solution. And let me show you Marco Zavrende Kinte di Maka. The Bible says there is a kind of person that God cannot reject. Lido Kapanda Zinte di Maka. La de Kapranda. La Kondi di Madasa Brende Beke. Rako da Panda. Just speak in the Holy Ghost wherever you find yourself. Just open your mouth and speak in the Holy Ghost. Lido Kapanda Zinte. La de Kabrinda Baka. Radeke de Zinte de Bedesa Brande Beke. Randeke de Zonto di Maka. Isaiah chapter 66, the verse 1 and 2, the Bible said, That's here the Lord, the heaven is my throne. I'm giving you what to do. If you don't feel the hunger, you can go to God and he will start igniting that passion in your heart. I want to show you what to do. The Bible said, That's here the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? Look at the verse 2. That is my emphasis. The Bible said, For all those things has my hand made and all those things have been, fear the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word, my goodness. He said, this man, eh, I will look at him. Even if I decide not to look at anybody at all, even if I, I decide I won't consider anything that I have made, there is one person that I will look at. Who is the person? He said, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Remember what David said. He said, sacrifice and burnt offering I do not desire, but a broken and a contrite spirit I will not despise. That is the promise God has given us. He said, if you have a broken and a contrite spirit, he said he will not despise. Just lift up your voice. Go to him in the contriteness of your heart. Go to him with a certain kind of remorse. Oh Lord, I come unto you with this heart. My heart is broken. My heart is broken. A person with a repentant heart. That is a person that God will look at. Just lift up your voice and speak in the Holy Ghost. He says, sacrifices and burnt offering you do not desire. Else will I give it, but a broken and a contrite spirit, God will not despise. If you have not been happy.
given these experiences I'm talking about, God is a God of mercy and he shall give them unto you. God is a God of mercy and he shall supply you with these experiences I'm talking about. Just lift up your voice. I see fire coming upon somebody. Just lift up your voice and talk to God. Go to God in the contriteness of your heart. Cry unto God, La Dica Brenda Becker, La Dica de Zicata, Randeca de Zet, La Duca de Becker, cry unto God, La Dica Brenda Becker, but a broken and a contrite spirit he will not despise. La Dica Brenda Becker, Ledeca de Zonto de Maca, La Dica, cry unto God. I see God setting fire in our heart. I see God setting fire in our heart. The fire will burn, it will burn, it will consume us. Cry in the spirit, whatever you find yourself, cry in the spirit, Lido Cry unto God, Lido Kapa, cry unto God. Set my heart Set my heart in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. I have discovered one of the secrets to sustained spiritual hunger. I know that but what I spoke about today, most of you here, even all of you have experienced it, but some of you, it is a history. It is not a present thing. You had it in the past, but you lost it all of a sudden. Most of you lost it because you fell into sin. Some of you lost it because of other things. But I want to tell you one of the secrets to sustain fire. All right? One of the secrets to sustain fire is the right association. I'm telling you, the right association. If you, your 
association is only talking about the world and then the world and then the world and then how Shatawale said this and then how Stoneboy did this and then when you tune into the television all that you watch day in and out death rush and I'm telling these things eh, they suck the fire out of you <laughs> uh, look people say oh what I say what is this what, when you talk people don't believe you know energy is generated when these things are happening I always say this the Bible speaks about the wisdom of God in James chapter 3. You see the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the devil. The Bible says that one of the clearest indications of the wisdom of God is that there is no partiality, there it is full of mercy, it is pure. Yes, the wisdom that comes from God is first pure. But when he started talking about the devil, he says, he says, wherever where evil and whatever is, there is what? I don't know who knows that scripture. It has escaped me a little. Work evil contains there's evil, there's an every evil work. Where strife and something is there is every evil work. Look, when you look at how, where they are having um, this kind of programs, okay. When you look at where they are having this kind of um, programs where Shatawali or Stoneboy comes to minister on stage, do you see a lot of commotion in those places? You see them, right? A lot of commotion. Do you know what is happening? Whilst that guy is ministering, there is a spiritual energy in his generation, and when the devil is at a certain place, the Bible says you will see confusion and every evil work. So you see so much commotion. When you see commotion, every time these guys are ministering, you know that the, the administration has actually invited a spirit to come and generate energy for commotion. <laughs> Thank you very much. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. That's it. That's it. There is confusion and every evil work. That's what happens. So wherever you see this kind of people, you see that they generate energy. Spiritual energy is generated. And this energy, it enters people like incense. You, you have no idea. A, that's why a believer, the first thing, yesterday I met somebody, I was telling the person that, you see, it is not like I don't want, I don't want to smoke. It's not like, the reason why I'm not smoking is not like, oh, I am afraid of God, so I won't smoke. I fear God, so I won't smoke. That is not it. Like, oh, I will not fornicate because hey, if I fornicate, I'll go to hell. That's not it. You know, the desire itself is not in me. That is what we call regeneration. I don't, the desire is not even there. I will not listen to worldly music because, I mean, I won't say that, oh, I won't listen to, listen to worldly music because of this, because of that. No, the desire to even listen, if you have the desire, but you are fighting to stop it, there's a problem. The desire must not be there. The fact that you have a desire even in the first place means that it's a big problem. You shouldn't have the desire to even listen in the first place. You shouldn't have it. If you are truly regenerate. Ha! There is energy that these people generate. If you, I'm telling you. And in the same way, if you are in the right company, men who carry the spirit, they begin to speak in the Holy Ghost. That is why you hear some people's tongues. Then all of a sudden, it looks like something has entered you. Then you feel like praying in tongues. I don't know if it has happened to you before. There was one night, one night, sincerely speaking, I was there. One night, I was scrolling on Facebook. I was scrolling Facebook. Then I came across a man of God. And Pastor John Anosike, I came across him and then he was speaking tongues. The moment he, I heard that, it was 45 minutes tongues. I tell you, when the tongues started, all of a sudden it was like, like an energy that, look, let me tell you something. If you want to sustain your fire, sustain spiritual hunger, don't mingle with the world. Ha. You, when God, don't you, we cannot be wiser than God. Oh. We cannot be wiser. In, in James 4.4, 4, the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity with God. I don't know if it's James 4.4. 4. Friendship with the the world is enmity with God. Apostle mentioned it yesterday. This is friendship with the world. Huh? 
The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 2 8. It's not subject to the law of God. Don't mingle. Thank you. You are adulterers and adulteresses. No, you know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Let me tell you something. Don't mingle with people who don't carry fire. Of course, somebody will say, ah, but if I don't make good, then how do I, why, how do I bring, transform them? Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ transformed some of the Pharisees. Was he mingling with them? Association is different. I'm talking about association. Association. Don't mingle with people who don't carry fire. I'm telling you, your fire will quench. Don't think, don't think, oh, you, me, I am. The Bible says, let him who think he stand take heed, lest he fall. Don't think me, I am strong. Nobody can quench my fire. If you like, start exposing yourself to certain things. Start exposing yourself to certain things for a long time. It will, it will affect you. It is, a, it is a law. It's a principle in the realm of the spirit. Proverbs chapter 13, 20. They that walk with the wise, wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall do or shall be destroyed. So they that walk with them that carry fire shall carry fire. They that walk with them that don't carry fire will not carry fire. Expose yourself to certain things. It will suck the fire out of your spirit. You, you have no idea. Look, let your everything around you reflect spirituality. Let it reflect spirituality. Let your songs, let your, your movies, let your, your messages, let your association, let your even Facebook timeline. When we go to your Facebook timeline and all that we are seeing is Shatawali, all that we are seeing is Stoneboy, all that we are seeing, look, there's a problem. I'm telling you, you can't, you, can't, you can't expose yourself to fire when you are seeing these things all along, everything you see. Don't you know that what you see affects you? Mingle with them. That carry fire. Yeah. Your Facebook timeline should be men of God. I'm telling you, when I go to my Facebook timeline, all that I see is Prophet Achumanase. All that all that I see is A.W. Toza. All that I see is M. Um, Papa I'm Oyedepo. All that I see is Apostle Justice. All that I see is Apostle Edu Jemfi. All that I see is um, 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 Prophet Prophet um, 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 Isaac Love Papwe. All that I see is men of God. I'm telling you. So when I'm scrolling there, I am, I am being edified. Even on Facebook, just going there, just going there casually, I am being edified. I'm being edified. But if all that you see it's not edifying you. It's just drawing the fire. It's sucking the fire. Have you seen how we, we suck Coca-Cola out of the bottle? You suck it like that. That's how your fire has been sucked out. That's why most of you, hunger of heart is a past thing. It's a history. But some of us, we are still carrying the, the hunger. I'm telling you, we're still carrying the hunger. I'm glad you think I'm talking about things that are we are still carrying the hunger, we're still carrying the fire. Why? Because we are we are we associate with men. I associate with men like if you talk to Apostle Justice, you know, when I call Apostle Justice, when he calls me, all that we talk about, I'm telling you, is fire, 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 fire. Gosh, how we can take our generation for God, how we can sustain the fire, and what can we do, how we can be able to intercede, how we can be able to do this. That is what we talk about. I'm telling you, then you all the way you call somebody, Charlie. Oh, Charlie, the girls, you know, then come here. The girls, then come here. Charlie, waiting in the talk. I, you are a believer. You carry fire. You still have such people who talk about girls. You are a believer. You carry fire. You still have such people who are so much into worldliness. How? 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 You cannot sustain. You cannot sustain fire like that. You can't sustain fire like that. For the next two minutes, my time is up. For the next two minutes, we are praying to God. Do you know something? Have you realized that there can be a 
shaking in the realm of the spirit. Most of you, eh, after this program, certain people will live your life automatically. And then sometimes you worry. Some of you, you are, you are in an unhealthy relationship. That relationship is sucking the fire out of you. Look, after this program, you realize that certain people will say, no, I can't come close again. I'm telling you, I can't come close. Don't be worried. Let them go. Let them go. Look, there must be a shaking in the realm of the spirit. Have you seen how when you are packing your cooking utensils into a basket, your bowls, your spoons, do you see how it, it must shake? Do you know what the shaking is doing? It is rearranging the thing into the, the spaces. It is rearranging. That's how it says. We are going to pray that, Lord, rearrange my life. That's what we are going to pray. Rearrange my life. Anything that does not represent fire in my life, Lord, take it away. And bring fire things around me. Bring fire people around me. Bring fire things. Most of you, all of your encounters are people who suck your fire. Most of you, the people you meet, wherever you go, you are just around people who don't have fire. There are people to wherever they find themselves. Hey, I I have encountered another firebrand. When they go here, I have encountered firebrand. Look, it is a rearrangement in the realm of the spirit. And this man, they prayed. They prayed that into existence. So we are going to pray and say, Lord, rearrange my life. Lift up your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. Rearrange my life. 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 Lift up your voice for the next two minutes. Lift up your voice. I have just four minutes left for the next two minutes. Speak in the Holy Ghost, cry unto God. La Dika Pendazun Todimaka, Mandas Sabrinde Bekezun Todimaka, Randekadazan Tedimada Sabrinde Beka, La Dika Pan. Um, Apostle, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I am very grateful for this opportunity. I'm very grateful for this. Please, you can take over. Thank you. I want to pay for your call. That my life 
that the creation, the creation awaits for the manifestation. You bring adoration to the saints. Creation is deep to win. Ayatapaya, beloved, hear me. Ilanza masukata. Your bed, the bed that you sleep on, is waiting for you to manifest God. Atakata, we come to the place of slaughter. In Kabadaba, that our life will be rearranged. Masinzana, bietu, bietu, asawa, malasuka. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the next two minutes, I want us to be approved for the man of God. Now, when the man of God was ministering, the Lord gave me one prayer point that we will pray for him. And we are praying for the man of God. We are praying for his wife. We are praying for his children. We are praying that God, oh, your, your, your prayer point is, oh, Lord, preserve this gift unto nations. Preserve this gift unto continents. Wherever you are, open your mouth and begin to pray. The Lord, preserve this gift. Show this gift unto nations, unto continents. Let that nation be brought back to life. We are not just seeking to raise dead men and women from the mortuary. We are, we want to raise and resurrect that nation. Pray this prayer for the man of God. Right now, open your mouth. Oh Lord, I go on my knees. You raise men like David Brinette. You raise men like Father Daniel Nasha. You raise men like Chaffine. You raise men like William Seymour. Apparently, Anamahika. Labretu Sampaya. Preserve your man servant and his family. Preserve your man servant and his wife and his children for the nations. For continents. Let this life across continents, let that nation be brought back to life. We command Antemekutumaya, Aduva, Aduva, Aliha, Lejei Matuti Katina, Matinga Atuni Valakitos, Melavrandi Muhata, Matiene Kwete, Akunda Apaliha, Melambila Sunda Apaya, Sweta Diene Tuesante, Ah, is somebody praying for him. Are you praying for him or you are playing? Are you praying? Pray. Akandaya, Katandaya, Apandaya, Katandaya, Apandaya, 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 Apandaya,
of Jesus Christ. My God. My God. My God, what a night, what a night. Man of God, God bless you mightily. Um, God bless our mommy so mightily. Hallelujah. Lady Pastor, Mrs. Charisma Kukruko, God bless you mightily. Uh, We are so much soaked. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Mahadima and Abadaba. Beloved, don't let this fire quench. Bible says, quench not the spirit. Tomorrow is the last night. Hallelujah. Tomorrow is the last night. Yes, I was I was there this afternoon and now I said, Lord, but tomorrow these blasters are praying. Uh, they are playing the match. And the Lord said to me, It is going to show those who are concentrated on to me mm-hmm. and that I should make sure the service comes on. Mm-hmm. He said it to me in the afternoon. I said, Lord, I am humbled. Praises be to your holy name. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. we are meeting. That's right. For the last night, for the last night, God bless you almightily. I pray that as you sleep tonight, may you have divine encounters. Hallelujah. Um, there are some there are some men of God. I, I, I'd like to salute uh, our daddy, our daddy, Apostle David and the JV. He was online. I don't know that if daddy is gone. Apostle David and the JV was online and he was listening. And it was so awesome. Hallelujah. Um, Pastor Opokev, Opokev, Pastor Kavnapoku, I have him humbled. I celebrate grace. Hallelujah. God bless everyone mightily. God bless everyone mightily. And um, Apostle David said, I should make sure I get this message to him. <laughs> uh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. God bless everyone mightily. Princess, wow. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming, Sister Siki. Um, God bless all of you, GM. Please, those that I could not mention your name, God bless all of you. Tomorrow, God willing. Mm, I'm humbled. Mm, mm. God, I'm, I'm, I'm really humbled. So, tomorrow, God willing, we will be meeting for the last part. So, God bless you all and bye for now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I celebrate praises. Bye. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praises. Amen. Joshua. Oh.